that little uh, alien music that I created for the beginning of the show. I just started poking around. I had an idea to kind of make some DMT noises and I'm like, well, what would like a alien smoking DMT in another dimension on Glap Flap's third moon, what kind of music would that sound like? And uh, so I just kind of put something together and um, it was fun to do and I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Anyway, Welcome back to a brand new episode of Mike Adelic. I'm Mike Brancatelli. Today on the show, we have Dr. Andrew Gallimore. Dr. Andrew Gallimore is a computational neurobiologist and one of the world's leading researchers on DMT. And if I could say so myself, one of the wisest and most intelligent uh, people that I've spoken to and a fascinating person to, to, to talk to And his book, DMT, Alien Information Theory, Psychedelic Drug Technologies, and the Cosmic Game. I mean, if that title doesn't make you want to just run or um, move your hand really fast to click purchase <laughs> on your computer, it is, uh, it, it, is, it is really something else. I think he might have wrote it in the DMT realm. Uh, it's, it's really amazing, and this conversation is amazing. I kind of wish that I could have just um, spoke with Andrew for, uh, you know, 17 straight hours. I uh, really want to dig into this stuff even more. And uh, we talk about it. We talk about the book. We talk about his research. We talk about DMT. And I think I'll do something that I normally don't do on the show, but uh, I just kind of feel like doing it. So I'm just going to read the description here for the book. DMT, Alien Information Theory, Psychedelic Drug Technologies, and the Cosmic Game. Since prehistory, humans have used a range of psychedelic drugs for communion with the gods, connection with nature, or for the pure pleasure and wonder that they generate as they transform the mind and the world. But one natural psychedelic in particular towers above the rest in its astonishing power to replace the normal waking world with a bizarre, alternate reality replete with a diverse panoply of intelligent alien beings. As well as being the most powerful NN dimethyltryptamine, more commonly known as DMT, it is also the most common naturally occurring psychedelic and it can be found in countless plant species scattered across the earth. DMT carries a profound message embedded in our reality, a message that we are now just starting to decode. In alien information theory, neurobiologist, chemist, and pharmacologist Dr. Andrew Gallimore explains how DMT provides the secret to the very structures of our reality and how our universe can be likened to a cosmic game that we now find ourselves playing. 
Gallimore explains how our reality was constructed using a fundamental code which generated our universe and countless others. As a digital device built from pure information with the purpose of enabling conscious intelligences such as ourselves to emerge. You will learn how fundamental digital information self-organizes and complexifies to generate the myriad complex forms of organisms that fill our world, how your brain constructs your subjective world, and how psychedelic drugs alter the structure of this world, and how DMT switches the reality channel by allowing the brain to access information from normally hidden orthogonal dimensions of reality. And finally you will learn how DMT provides the secret to exiting our universe permanently to complete the cosmic game and to become interdimensional citizens of hyperspace. Alien information theory is a unique account of this hidden structure of reality and our place within it. Dr. Andrew Gallimore draws upon his diverse range of disciplines, including neuroscience, computer science, physics, and pharmacology, to carefully explain these complex ideas, which are illustrated in the book with a full-color pixelated display and diagrams throughout. So buckle up and prepare for this awesome conversation, one of my favorites ever and one of my favorite books for sure. There's so much to learn. There's so much to know. And I love the unknown. I love the things that make you scratch your head and wonder and keep you up at night and keep you thinking when you're talking to someone and they're kind of boring and you're thinking about something else. You're thinking about this. <laughs> it's, you know, this is never, this stuff never leaves your mind. If you've had really profound experiences that stick with you, that uh, are, you're, exploring other worlds, getting other messages, uh, interacting and interfacing with other constructs of reality. Man, where do we go from here? It's uh, The future looks bright when, when you see people like Dr. Gallimore coming out with things like this, and of course Rick Strassman as well, and, and many others in the field. But uh, Dr. Gallimore has really got something unique and special here, and it is just uh, such a pleasure to be able to have the privilege to speak with him and share this with you guys. Okay, well, uh, the conversation, so Dr. Gallimore was coming at me from Okinawa, Japan, and I've been using Zoom and Skype and back and forth, and I don't know what's going on. There's some weird dips that happen in the conversation. It gets better at the end, uh, and it gets the quality gets better, and the conversation really gets we, we talk about some really cool stuff at the end. The whole conversation is amazing, but we really get into some of the strange and some of the weird and some of the wow out there at the end. Just my favorite kind of things to talk about. Um, like I said, when we were getting into that area of the conversation, I was like, man, I, I just want to go for another couple hours here. Uh, but... We'll have him back on the show. We will have him back on the show. Let me know what you think. Send me your messages. Send me your feedback. Go to my website, mikebrank.com, B-R-A-N-C, and drop a little line in the contact form there. Let me know what you guys think. If you like the show, if you love the show, if you want to support the show, go on to Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review. Thank you so much to the people who go and do that. You guys are really, truly some of the best human beings that this earth has peopled. So I really, really appreciate uh, when people take time out of their day to do something like that. I'm not the kind of person that, that always does those things. 
and I only do it when I really, really care. So it tells me that you guys must feel the same way too. You know, it takes a little bit of uh, effort to go on your phone and click a couple buttons. I know it's not so easy, right? Even when you hear me say it all the time. But if you can do it, it helps the show tremendously. So thank you so much to Girls Just Want to Have Fungi. Love the name. She says, such a great podcast, so grateful to have stumbled across this web series. Such a wonderful thoughts to work to. Appreciate you. Thank you. Well, that's very nice. I, I appreciate that very much. Uh, Indeed Spice Girl says, love it. Just listened to the Healing with Mushrooms episode. I learned so much. Definitely give this show a listen. The production and audio are great. Oh, well, hey, thanks. I mean, I try my best even when we have technical difficulties like we did in this episode and a few other episodes. I I work hard to try and edit it and and make it sound audible for you guys. It's really, really important for me. And I really always want to know if you're listening to the show and it doesn't sound good, let me know. Uh, please send me honest feedback. I really appreciate that. Um, great show. Love listening. Keep up the great work from Shafatrat. <laughs> and uh, John Guzman says, Mike was one of the first podcasters that I've listened to in regards to psychedelics. I've been following him for some time now and have been so much improved and, and have seen him so, uh, <laughs> talk about a place to stumble. I've improved so much uh, since his early podcast. Yes, that's true. Thank you, John. I appreciate that very much. I uh, constantly am uh, paralyzed with fear and paranoia and dread that uh, things that I said in the past aren't aligned with things that I said in the future and someone's going to cancel me over that. So yeah, uh, my, my ideas have evolved. I'm going to do a solo cast about that as well. Um, you know, I have a lot of thoughts, opinions, and ideas about all kinds of things. And some of the things I was saying just a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, they, they're not what I believe anymore. Uh, so I think it's always really, really good to constantly keep questioning, constantly keep investigating, constantly keep asking yourselves, what is this? Do I believe this? Is this true? Because we're human beings. We're malleable. We're flexible. We're, ni- we're nimble and adaptable. We're not stagnant in our, in, our idea- in our ideas. And if you feel like you're becoming static in your ideology, it, it could be a sign that it's, it's, uh, it's toxic. Um, it's time to kind of always check in and evolve, you know? I always scratch my head when we look at people and we say, well, you said that in 2010. Well, yeah, 2010 was a totally different time and I was a totally different person. This is nine years later, man. You got to evolve. So anyway, thanks, John. Uh, And then he goes on to say, his love for his work shows, and if you're into psychedelics or spirituality, I strongly recommend this podcast. If you love it, become a patron and join the Secret Society group. Oh, perfect. Okay, cool. I won't read any more reviews. I'll just segue to that. Yes, please. I don't want to have ads on the show. I just don't. And I'm not doing a good job of promoting the ads that I have. Yeah, they're good companies, and I use their stuff. And yeah, you guys could probably benefit from them too. But I hate being like, hey, if you guys want some CBD, go to hemp, you know, like whatever. I hope they don't hear that. <laughs> no, but seriously, I, I hate shilling. I don't like it. So if you like the show, go to patreon.com slash Mike Brank, B-R-A-N-C, and you can become a patron of the show for just $1 a month. If everybody who listened to this show donated $1 a month, I wouldn't have to do anything else but work on this show, and that would be fucking amazing. You would literally make my dreams come true. And 
then I could go into like just finding better guests and doing better research and creating better things. I really want to do that. Now, I know it's not, I'm not trying to put the burden on you. As the show grows, more and more people will, you know, take those Federal Reserve notes that are just burning holes in their pocket and throw them my way. That would be nice. Uh, But for now, if you do what you can, if you like the show, share it, you know, you know what to do, whatever. Yeah. And of course, you know, if you like the show, you tell people about it and all that stuff, you know, you don't have to have other people tell you what to do when you like something. You just do what you do when you like it. Uh, But subscribe, that helps, uh, and share it as much as possible. And let's just kind of spread this message. Let's spread this information. Thanks. Anyway, uh, sponsors and all that jazz, they'll be at the end of the show. And uh, what else did I want to say? I don't know. The podcast is great. Well, without further ado, Dr. Andrew Gallimore, DMT, alien information theory, psychedelic drug technologies, and the cosmic cosmic game. Psychedelics are illegal, not because a loving government is concerned that you may jump out of a third-story window. Psychedelics are illegal because they dissolve opinion structures and culturally laid down models of behavior and information processing. They open to us the possibility that everything we know is wrong. We don't need new laws that control our consciousness and rigidly place it in a prison. Cognitive liberty. The fact that as adults, if we're not hurting anybody else, we should have the right to explore the contours of our own consciousness without any mediation or legislation on the part of somebody else. Reject authority. Authority is a lie. Information is power. But we have to seize seize the the opportunity. The opportunity. Awesome, awesome. So, I mean, where, where, where do we begin? Where do we begin? There's so many amazing things. So, due to the kind of limited time that we have, I kind of want to dive deep. Is, is that cool with you? Absolutely. Let's go. All right. Nice, nice. So, I, I figured we could start with. First of all, your book is beautiful. Uh, Thank you very much. Yes, it's amazing, and I love that you chose to go with the pixelated uh, art. It's. Um, yeah, it's very, I think, fitting. Uh, I saw, I think, a talk you did, uh, maybe it was at Breaking Convention, where you were explaining the, uh, the, Conway, um, uh, the Conway game. And that was in Boulder. That was in Boulder. Boulder, okay, right, right, yeah, yes. Colorado, oh, Medicinal yeah. Mindfulness, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, great, yeah, I, I love those guys. I'm, I'm friends with a couple of people associated with them here, so <laughs> great, yeah. Um, so I would like to start with, Let's start with the title of the book, and I figured yeah. what we could do is, uh, my audience, I think, is pretty familiar, but I think, how familiar can you really be with DMT, even if you've done it a couple times, whatever, even, you know, even if you've done it more than a couple times, right? Like, I'm sure yeah. you, you're still scratching your head on some things, right? <laughs> Certainly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a, a bit of an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> So let's start with the title of your book and go through it, and we'll do D- DMT, what is that, and then we can kind of move on to, to the other parts of, of the title, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. Great. 
So oh. DMT. Yeah. Yeah. So, so DMT is to put it at, in its most general uh, is is a is one of one of the so-called classic psychedelics. So it's it falls into a, the chemical class of the tryptamines, which are a uh, which include um, psilocybin <laughs> from magic mushrooms. So psilocybin from magic mushrooms is actually uh, very very close related. Uh, right. Uh, or phosphoroxy dimethyltryptamine, um, mm-hmm. which actually converts to psilocin in the body, is the hydroxy. Got an extra oxygen in, uh, in the ring. Um, so that's very closely related. LSD is also a tryptamine, but it's also but it's it's much more complex. It's more highly kind of decorated. Um, um, and then you've got things like ibogaine, which is also a tryptamine, but less common. Uh, but but they basically these tryptamines are they're, they're all derived from tryptophan, which is one of the essential um, amino acids in the body. And um, DMT is kind of special in that, um, first of all, it's the most widely occurring uh, natural psychedelic drug. So it's uh, pretty much every plant is thought to contain at least some level of DMT. Mm. There are some um, kind of uh, bigger players in the plant game that um, are known to contain very high concentrations of DMT, which are often used for extracting, purifying. DMT. Right. But DMT is kind of ubiquitous. Uh, Dennis McKenna always says, nature is drenched in DMT. Uh, and he's kind of right. Um, so it's remarkable in that sense, in that it, it's everywhere you look, it, it's there. It's like a message that's kind of waiting for you to kind of decode. Mm, the um, hidden breadcrumbs. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's like uh, the breadcrumbs are leading out of the forest in a way. And um, so, yeah, so it's, it's remarkable in, in that sense. It's the most widely spread and the most and the simplest of all, of all the, the, the psychedelic tryptamines. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and yet it's also the most powerful in that it, um, unlike the other psychedelics, which kind of tend to, certainly at regular doses at least, they tend to cause a, a change in this world. In a sense, they, they switch this world from being kind of very stable and predictable to being much more fluid and unpredictable and novel. Right, um, right. Yes, it kind of, of uh, you, it's like an augmentation or, or something yeah, of exactly. reality. Whereas, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, DMT exactly. is. So you're tuning the dial slightly, uh, just slightly out. Um, and so the world changes. But with DMT, it's kind of different. It's like, a, it's like you're switching to an entirely new channel. Uh, it switches the, the brain, essentially, from, from constructing your regular waking world into constructing this extremely bizarre uh, alien reality that bears absolutely no relationship whatsoever to this world. Uh, and that, as we'll probably get into from a neuroscientific perspective, is actually quite confounding. And in my opinion, uh, having thought about this for many years now, uh, from a neuroscientific perspective, is, is really quite confounding and, and quite challenging to explain. Yeah, um, and and, and yeah. it's such a as you explained, it's one of the simpler molecular constructions, but it's one of the most profound. That's kind of confounding yeah. to me too. You would think, you know, it's kind of counterintuitive almost. Like you would think that the more complex it would be, the more intense it would be. But this seems to be. Do you have any like thoughts on so, why that might be? I mean, yeah, I mean, your intuition there is is kind of leading you in the right direction. I mean, there is a, a principle, kind of a rule of thumb in pharmacology that says that simple drugs um, that aren't complex tend to bind to lots of things 
quite weakly. So alcohol, right? Very simple drug. It has lots of effects in the body, quite wide ranging effect, right? You know, when you have a couple of drinks, you might feel a bit lively and a bit talkative. A few more drinks, you might fall asleep. Um, and then there's effects on your your motor skills as well. You might start to stumble or slow worth if you've had too much to drink, right? Um, so it's a very dirty drug. Now, LSD, on the, on the other hand, is a very com complex drug. Uh, and this has binds very, very tightly to just one receptor, basically. Not entirely true, but, but it's quite specific. Um, because it has lots of kind of um, hooks, if you like, chemical hooks that, that it can bind to. So it binds in a very particular way. Now, DMT sits kind of towards that other end in that it's very simple. Uh, and we would expect it, just looking at it, chemically to be a very kind of dirty, uh, messy drug. We'd expect it to cause lots of side effects. You know, you might expect dizziness or disorientation or nausea or, you know, all of these kind of side effects. But you don't. It, it seems to be a very, very clean drug, um, both pharmacologically and also psychologically. Um, Terence McKenna used to say that in a, in a funny kind of way, it doesn't affect the mind. That You seem to be, you enter this bizarre alien world and yet somehow you're completely clear-headed. It's like, you know, someone has literally just switched the channel. Mm -hmm. um, so that, to me... Um, suggests as well that there's something a little bit special about DMT, that the human body and the human brain has this natural kind of relationship with DMT. Mm. And that's borne out, of course, also by this, the, the, the duration of action of DMT. It's very short acting. So the body is very happy uh, to kind of break it, break it down very, very rapidly and, and remove it from the body. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think that is? I, and, and, and with drinking ayahuasca, which I'm kind of more familiar with, I've drank ayahuasca more than I've smoked DMT, uh, but containing DMT, the DMT lasts longer because of the monoamine oxidase inhibitor in the, in yeah. the, in, in the brew. Um, why do you think that the, that it's designed that way to be so kind of quick acting? And I know that you're working on kind of this extended state model too, which is really interesting. Maybe we can get into later. Uh, what's your maybe speculation as to why that would be the case? Well, I mean, there are there are a couple of answers to that. I mean, the 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 kind of the orthodox position is is simply that DMT happens to be very very rapidly. Um, or very efficiently metabolized by the specific enzymes in the body. So there are, as you mentioned, monoamine, monoamine oxidase enzymes. So these are responsible for breaking down natural neurotransmitters, such as serotonin. The serotonin is one of the most important neurotransmitters or neuromodulators in the brain. And these have to be broken down very, very quickly because, um, you know, when your brain is releasing these uh, these compounds to have a specific effect. You know, the brain has to work quickly, really. Um, so it, when it releases a chemical into the, into the brain, it needs to be able to clear it very quickly as well. So these enzymes are very, very fast. Uh, and you have transport mechanisms to kind of suck these chemicals back into uh, brain cells. But you also have enzymes that break them down very, very quickly. And so these are some of the fastest enzymes uh, known to man. Um, and so... When you, when you add a drug into the brain, so an, an exogenous drug that becomes that is kind of alien to the brain in a sense, uh, 
they are also broken down often by these enzymes, but much less efficiently, so much more slowly. Uh, so LSD, for example, tends to stick to a specific receptor, a serotonin receptor, 5-HT2A receptor, mm -hmm. in the brain, and it stays there for a long time. Right. And then it's very, very slowly broken down. Um, psilocybin is broken down more quickly, but still over a few hours. Right. Um, and what's unusual about DMT is it's, is the enzymes, these monoamine oxidase enzymes seem to be very, very good breaking down DMT, uh, which could suggest it's just lucky that it, it happens to uh, fit the, res uh, the enzyme active site as well as serotonin, or could mean that actually there is a, a more um, a, a long, a kind of long-standing relationship between uh, DMT in the brain. Right, that, that right. These enzymes are actually, um, are actually, in a way, designed or evolved to actually break down DMT. Right. Slightly right. more contentious. Yes, yes, yes. And, and, and it's similar to my understanding of the cannabinoid receptor system um, smoke, while smoking cannabis and, and this sort of kind of, you know, uh, co-evolution or symbiotic relationship in, in which we've had uh, with these substances. Yeah. Um, exactly. Interesting. Yeah. Great. Uh, so what's the deal with alien information theory <laughs> to be Seinfeldian about it? <laughs> yeah. So that's a difficult one because I mean, so, so for the last 10 years or so, I've been, I've been thinking about DMT, um, more seriously. I mean, I've been thinking about DMT 20 years, but, um, more kind of from a scientific, neuroscientific perspective, I've been trying to understand, uh, get my head around what, what DMT is, uh, what DMT actually does in the brain and what is the relationship between what DMT does in the brain and actually what could be happening outside the brain. You know, is, some, is there some kind of um, orthogonal reality right. um, DMT world to which DMT actually gates access? And if so, how does that work? Yeah, um, that seems to be the big question. You know, that yes. I hear from a lot. Yeah. It's either like you either fall into these two camps where it's like, well, it's just this kind of neurochemical reaction that's going on in your brain and your brain is just projecting these hallucinations and you're in this kind of world or you're in an alien information construct. <laughs> yes, exactly. So this is so the, the first the first one there. Uh, that's the most that's the simplest thing to say. Uh, and, and of course, that should really be your default position. Scientists anyway, they actually. It's just hallucination, right? Yeah. Um, that's always, I've always come from that position and said, okay, let's, let's assume that's true. Um, does that actually explain? So let's, let's assume that's the, the, the hypothesis that we're going to try and falsify. You know, is, is, that, that this is just hallucination. And I tried to do that. And I've, I've, I wrote a very long paper in 2012 um, called Building Alien Worlds, um, which is really my first major paper on DMT which I tried to unpack that idea and actually deconstruct it and actually say, okay, let's think about what the brain does. Let's think about how the brain really constructs our normal world. How did it evolve to do that? Um, the brain evolved to construct a model of our reality, of our environment. We know that. Um, and we know that, that, that the way that the brain does that uh, kind of to a reasonably good extent now. Mm -hmm. uh, and then can we kind of then explain when – how when you have an exogenous drug like DMT, the brain suddenly is able to construct this ultimate reality. Now, I found that actually that's very difficult to, to justify because the brain evolved to construct or learned to construct, if you like, this, this reality that we're familiar with over millions of years of evolution. It didn't learn to do it overnight. Uh, and, and in a sense, it's the only world that your brain knows how to build, or at least the only world your brain should know how to build. 
Um, and indeed, when you when you go to sleep at night and you dream, your your brain tends to construct this world. You know, it's not as stable, it's not as predictable because it's not kind of modulated by sensory information. Mm-hmm. But your brain constructs, you know, is very, very, very good, very good at constructing this model of reality. So my question has always been: How then does the brain know how to construct this beautifully stable, crystalline, hyperdimensional reality? Why would it do that? Given this very, very simple. So that, to me, still confounds me. Um, and so I, I, what I try to do with the book, Alien Information Theory, is try to think, okay, let's assume the opposite now. Let's assume actually that DMT does access, uh, gate access to this orthogonal reality, this DMT space. Right. How could that work? And that involves some much more deep uh, and detailed and, and careful thinking about how that might, might work. Yeah. And it, and and. And, and the, the question really is, um, if, if it's true that this DMT world exists, and there's no reason why there shouldn't be parallel realities somewhere, you know, even ones infested with machine art, no reason why they shouldn't exist. Right. Uh, no, no sensible physicist would ever discount that. The, the difficulty, what I call, the, uh, it's called the, uh, the data input problem, is that if, okay, this world exists, how does taking this simple drug allow you to access that world and that question really is how does dmt allow information from that world to flow alien information to flow from this alien uh, reality and this is basically why this book is called alien information theory it's about thinking about how does the brain construct reality normally from information uh, and 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 the brain receives information from the environment sensory information um, and it uses that to Kind of help it to construct this model of reality, and how does the brain switch to to, um, um, to receiving information from this alternate reality, which is the, the alien reality? So this is why alien information theory. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. That's. Thank you for explaining that so clearly. <laughs> and and I I'm inclined to to kind of. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe that, you know, I have to say that I believe that because uh, I've had those experiences. I've had experiences where things have happened to me on very high dose mushroom sessions in high dose ayahuasca uh, ceremonies and DMT as well, where I spontaneously just started speaking Sanskrit, never knew it before, never knew. Yeah, never. I just it just happened. And wow, I had this uh, this exp- recorded. <laughs> I wish. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. they didn't allow recorders in the in the room at the time. But yeah, uh, oh. yeah I, I, I kind of go into this in, in, in my podcast a little bit more. I've, I've told some of these stories. But uh, and the other one was I had this sort of like past life regression, if you want to call it that, where I was in ancient Egypt and but there was advanced technology and I had seen this like black floating orb and then i had told I, did, I told someone about this and they were like oh that there's like a theory that there's this thing that you know and it just kind of blew my mind uh and uh yeah there's been there's been a couple instances that you t- you brought up the machine elves i've definitely seen them uh sure. and uh yeah it, it, it's it's it is alien right it's it's weird yeah. it's strange it's we don't know and i think a lot of people don't like to kind of float in the ambiguity of not knowing yeah. and but uh but it's the uh, the most worthy expedition as as far as i'm concerned you know yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, there is always, it's always difficult to, if you're trying to convince a, uh, a scientist who's never taken DMT or a psychologist or anyone really, that, that actually, that, yeah, this really 
does seem to access an alternate reality. Um, it's, it's impossible, really, for them to, to appreciate it. It's like trying to describe, you know, why, why you love the color red or something like that. So right. You know, a blind person. Yeah. Uh, it's like they, they can never understand it. You know, Terence McKenna, again, always said the only true convincer is, you know, a small glass pipe and, and, and you know, give me 15 minutes of your time. You know, have I got news for you? Uh, <laughs> right. You, to say, you know? Yes, yes. <laughs> the felt yeah. presence of, of direct experience. Yeah. There's, there's, exactly. there's nothing exactly. like it. Yeah. You, you, yeah. I, you have to. Yeah. And I, yeah. I think McKenna also talked about like, it's like talking about sex to a scientist or doctor who's a virgin. And it's like, you know, hey, this, exactly. you can't. Yeah. You can't. Um, exactly. Yeah. So, excellent. so that's always very difficult. And um, yeah, if you're trying to go to a neuroscientist, naturally, I, I speak to a lot of scientists. But they're normally extremely interested, um, but they don't really put uh, it uh, anything other than hallucination. Right. Yeah. It really, you have the only way to convince them. I think. And when you, when you actually do, the empty, then it is totally confounding, totally unexpected. Despite what you've read, um, you, you, know, you listen to all the Terence McKenna in the world, uh, but until you actually are in that space, you can never really understand it. And even after you never really understand it, so that's really what drives me personally is um, is, is is really knowing that actually this this space not only when you look at it here as I explain more difficult. Uh, oh, sorry, uh, Andrew. I just uh, you just kind of dropped out on the audio there. Sorry. Um, yeah, it could well, just be the the connection or, or something. Um, you said that it, it's more confounding uh, than than it seems when you go into it. Was that where you kind of left off? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you know you you can listen to a, a, as much current piano as as you want and kind of have an idea of what to expect. Right. It will remain completely unexpected. Yeah, right. Like uh, the explorers of of old, you know, wanting to venture to the new world across the ocean. Uh, right. They they didn't just sit in Portugal and say, "Well, we kind of get it." There's land over there and people. You know, it's like, no, you got to go. You have to go. Gotta go. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that's awesome. My got to go. You've got to go. Uh, psychedelic drug technologies. And the cosmic game, love it. So, do so. Do you think you see DMT as being a sort of a psychedelic drug technology, maybe a, a mediator uh, or a a funnel or a tunnel to some other kind of constructed world, um, maybe that yeah. has something to offer to us or is trying to communicate to us in some kind of way? And DMT is the is the tool that allows us to access that. Is that right? Yes, well, I think I take DMT um, very seriously in, in a way in that I, I, I do believe that it it should be treated as a technology, that we can develop it as a technology. Um, and that, yes, I believe it's a message that is, has in some way found itself implanted in our reality uh, and uh, a message that is kind of, I, I describe it as like an intelligence test. Uh, it's everywhere. Everyone can see the message. Every time you plant, you're holding it in your hand, uh, and yet it requires a great degree of, of, of technological and cognitive um, sophistication to actually identify DMT as this tool, this technology, to isolate it, and then to learn how to use it. And, and that's the kind of phase of this this 
cosmic game, if you like, that we find ourselves within and playing. Um, we're towards the, um, well, it's difficult to say whether we're towards the beginning or towards the end of that. We've certainly progressed beyond kind of phase phase one of that. Uh, you know, we, we, we've known about DMT now for um, 60 years or so. Um, uh, the first trip with pure DMT uh, was in the 1950s. Um, and, uh, but, you know, we've been kind of been stuck within a certain way of using it for the last 30 years. Um, I'm, I'm sort of starting to think we should push out that now and start to really think about how DMT should best the glass pipe. Uh, is not the, the be all and end all uh, of DMT, right? Uh, but yeah, I mean, before well, I get into uh, one, that, one I, second, I'm sorry, Andrew. I don't know why this is happening, but there's like a kind of a, a dip that's going on. It's really strange. Yeah, I apo- apologize. I apologize for that. I mean, you would you would think that uh, you know we can land a man on the moon, but we can't uh, you know have a good Wi-Fi connection. <laughs> Tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. Hopefully that that won't happen again. Um, if it does, I'll just have to ask you to repeat yourself. I'm sorry. No problem. No problem. Yeah. yeah. That's fine. So okay, right? Yeah. This is this is the cosmic game that we're playing here, and I love yeah. I love the like game theory, you know, and and looking at things in in terms of game of game game rules and gamification. In a lot of ways, it just makes sense. Um, yeah. And so the, the what. Uh, we mentioned something before about like the brain has always been constructing worlds. And so if DMT is this psychedelic drug technology uh, that is allowing us to access a different world that has been constructed, uh, who constructed that world? Yeah, that's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) On the hot seat. Yeah, so I mean... (laughs) So in the book, I describe something what I call this cosmic game and this idea that, that our reality is a um, emerges from information. So some kind of fundamental fundamental digital code um, from which this world, um, what I call the grid, uh, as well as countless other worlds of same dimensionality as our world. And basically the idea is that if you want to... Um, construct a universe a reality um what you wouldn't do is try and kind of design it um so that somehow intelligent beings evolved emerged in that world Uh, what you would do is basically encode all possible worlds and then see which ones uh produced what you were hoping for which is conscious intelligence so in a sense our reality is one of countless numbers of realities that um, are used to kind of incubate, if you like, um, constantality. Uh, and we find ourselves within one of those slices of this higher dimensional system. So we are kind of one slow, lower dimensional slice of this high dimensional I call the hyper. Mm. Um, and once, we're, once we emerge as constantality within our slice, uh, our grid, um, the game then becomes to um, to a sense to, to escape that to actually transcend this lower dimensional system and enter the high dimensional system uh, which is the hypergrid and, and, and DMT is this technology that has been embedded really a type of code that's been embedded within our reality 
um, that acts as this 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 tool, this this tech, this intelligence test, the test of the emergence of conscious intelligence, because it requires conscious intelligence to, to actually uh, discover and utilize this this tool. So, so that, that's why DMT is is present, and that it has this role essentially of allowing us to, to transcend this lower dimensional system and enter this higher dimensional system. Um, and, and and the book really goes into a a huge amount of detail in explaining where our reality came from uh, and how that relates to this high dimension exactly how what DMT is doing. I'm sorry, Andrew, one more time. I'm, I'm really sorry. It's dipping and then your voice is getting muffled and I would hate to have not high quality audio for people because I want them to, to hear what you're saying here. But hopefully it's fine now with just the audio. Yeah, I mean, it's probably like the Illuminati New World Order just trying to yeah, smash yeah, out the conversation. You know, They don't want to yeah. give people the information. Um, <laughs> well, anyway, I mean, it was fitting that we were talking about technologies, right? And, you know, this kind of yeah. material constructed technology I don't. I don't prefer this. I prefer the DMT technology. So maybe, maybe yeah. that's a good segue to hop back into where we were talking about the the cosmic game and the you know the role of, of DMT in that game as you were laying out how you explained in your in your book. And you know these interviews yeah. are always quite tricky too because it's like we don't want to give too much away because read the book. It's a fantastic yeah. book and, and really uh, aesthetically pleasing as well as uh, intellectually enriching. So uh, be sure to uh, everyone that's listening. And go and, and, and get this book, uh, Alien Information Theory, Psychedelic Drug Technologies, and the Cosmic Game, and dig into it. It's not uh, it's not like a cinder block, you know. It's a good uh, two hundred and so pages, so uh, that's that's always nice, you know, to hear as well. And uh, and amazing too, an amazing feat to kind of put all of that in into those pages. Um, so uh, I believe we were kind of talking about the, the the Cosmic Game and the role of DMT, and and what and one of my 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 questions was about the the constructing worlds uh maybe we could get a little bit into that about really because i think a lot of what you're doing here isn't necessarily about like this drug the substance the psychedelic effect per se but more about how the brain constructs worlds and where these other worlds are and why they are and what does it all mean and what does this mean about the nature of our reality right or what we think of reality general consensus reality versus all these other kinds of ideas of reality or experiences of things that are hyper real right yeah i mean the brain is um the brain is basically uh it's an, an information generator your brain is that's what that's what it's designed to do or that's what it evolved and emerged is to generate information um the brain is special and it generates a very particular type of information um, that manifests as your phenomenal world so when you open your eyes and, and see the world around you um that world is 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 it's constructed from information it's hard to appreciate that because you're kind of you're embedded within it you're seeing that information kind of from the within uh, but it's, it, you know, you can point out and say, look, you know, look at the different textures, look at the different colors, look at different forms, uh, the distances, the, the interrelationship between objects. These are all encoded as information in the brain. Um, so, so your world under all circumstances is constructed from information. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, normally, that's, uh, if I could yeah. just jump, because that's a great uh, point to make. Because really, that is sort of what's happening here is that we're constantly trying to uh, process information and through this this meat 
computer that we have in our heads <laughs> and really make some kind of construct out of it, right? Like, okay, there's there's something here and it's this information processes that's going on, this kind of uh, proliferation and exponential change in our environment, the novelty, the diversity that we see, and how do we kind of contend with that and build something that... Uh, that's accessible to us or makes some kind of sense, right? Because when you're in the DMT yeah. realm, it's like being blasted with like all of the information that's ever existed in the history of time and space into your head at the same time. And you're like, whoa, what yeah. the, how can I, I can't comprehend this. Slow down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're right there. The, the brain, the brain is, um, is always make is processing and computing and, and just trying to, um, to make sense and of, of the information it's receiving and to really to predict the kind of information that it's going to receive next. It's, it constantly has this model of reality that it's constantly testing against sensory information. Um, uh, and yet the, you know, the information from the outside world never really enters the brain. The brain is always, your world is always constructed from the information that your brain is, is generating. And to go even deeper than that, um, the, the central one of the central theses of the book is that the, the, the reality itself is fundamentally constructed from information that um, I say something in the book, everything is a manifestation of the complexification of information mm. that ever, fundamentally at the ground of reality is, 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 is digital information. And that this Where, information yeah. complexifies it. Everything is uh, a manifestation of the complexification of information. That's great. You got it. I, I, that is, that is brilliant. The, that that makes me think of something that I was talking about the other day, and I wonder if maybe we can riff on this a little bit. How yeah. sort of you know we look about uh, at the world that we're kind of living in right now, and and you know obviously this world has been built, and I'm a big fan of Graham Hancock where he speaks about you know we have severed our connection to the plant spirit world, the psychedelic world, the mystery and the awe of the cosmos, and and our connection to it and everything uh, in in that way and since that since that kind of mainstream severing that we've kind of we've manifested uh, a complexification of sort of um uh, for lack of a better word like an egoic material construct and mm -hmm. and maybe maybe by getting more information about the dmt space and in extended state studies or mapping the dmt realm as your as your uh paper talks about and what can we manifest in this world from that information. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with you entirely. I think um, we've become, um, as you rightly say, kind of detached from, from the world in a way. And, and we've, we've directed our energies often in, in, into, you know, we, we are a very complex species. We have complex intent and we have, you know, astonishing capabilities. Yeah. Um, but we, we often direct them in, in, in the wrong kind of places and find ourselves directing our energy uh, and our intelligence into um, often quite destructive um, uh, areas of, 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 of possibility, really, and, and manifesting things that are less than desirable. Uh, and that often results in negative effects on, on, the, on our, our home, really. Right. Um, and, and certainly it's true, I think, that, that, that psychedelics... Not certain, not just DMT, but um, all psychedelics reveal the fact that we are actually part of this extremely complex, um, self-manifesting, self-complexifying yeah. system. 
yeah. that whilst we appear to be disjoint from the, kind of the natural world, in the book I describe it, that our, um, our technology appears kind of disjoint from the natural world of forests, right. rivers. Right. Uh, but actually, it's simply one, it's a different aspect in that we are as much a part of the natural world um, as, as, as a, a flamingo or, or a tiger or, or a tree. Right. Um, and we, we, we lose sight of that. And that's, there's, there's, there's a sense, uh, an inclination in our culture to form this dichotomy between the man-made and the natural. I mean, people use that all the time. Right. You know, is it synthetic? Is it man-made? Or is it, is it natural? <laughs> right, of course, right. it's a completely false dichotomy because man is part of the natural world, man and woman and everything in between. Right. Uh, it's yeah. part of the natural world. And we have to understand that, that, that it, it's impossible. You know, Alan Watts, to describe this beautifully, you know, if you want to describe a person, you have to describe the, the floor upon which he stands. Mm -hmm. um, then you have to describe the air that he's breathing. Then you have to describe these trees that are producing the oxygen. Then eventually you can't describe a person without describing everything, you know? Uh, and so the, this, this very deep fundamental uh, relationship, um, which can be described, you know, biologically, you know, and is not going into any alien worlds at all. Um, and then when you get into the, the DMT stuff, you then realize actually we're part of something even more fucking um, complex, um, which is this uh, higher dimensional, extremely complex system that most of which is completely blocked from our, uh, our, our understanding or our access for most of the time. And yet we are you know, quite literally embedded within this much far, far more complex system than we would ever dream would exist right. if we just focused on what was around us. Right, yes. And and I have to think that there's some kind of reason for this interaction. Uh, you know, DMT in a vacuum as a singular substance in and of itself doesn't necessarily do anything until it's consumed, ingested, and uh, interacting and dancing with us. And so we're producing this kind exactly. of joint venture uh, to the beyond, you know, so to speak. And there's there has to be, in my opinion, there has to be some kind of reason for that. Uh, I like the the idea of Terrence and Dennis when they were going to La Chorrera to discover, to try and dive deep and bring something back from that realm. And uh, I had a, a, an experience where uh, you've probably had this experience too. And I, I've, Terrence has talked about this, where you're in the, that space and it's kind of like, look at this, look at that, look what I could do yeah. here. Look at this. Boop, boop, boop. Yeah. And, yeah. And, uh, and something that I gathered from that was, oh, okay. So you guys can create infinitely like that. Uh, oh, maybe I can do something like that. Maybe, maybe, maybe a message here is that okay. Take what sh we're showing you and try and kind of replicate that in your meat realm, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah, <laughs> precisely. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, DNT certainly shows us that things that were not just impossible, but almost can could, couldn't even be contemplated or considered uh, right. actually become possible and. Um, and that's one of the most you know, startling and astonishing things about the is that the, the world is not just bizarre or strange. It is actually impossible. Yeah. It, it, it defies the, the, the geometric constraints of our lower dimensional slice of reality. And that's, that's, what, that's one of the great clues, I think, to actually what, 
what DMT is, is that it, it, it demonstrates that actually we, we do normally live within this very restricted lower dimensional slice of reality and that there are other realities that exist right, right here, right now, really, uh, that are um, so different uh, that they, it's, 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 it's impossible to contemplate them. It's, that they cannot be Englished. Yes, um, no, they can. They cannot be English. Yeah. Yes, exactly. They we are. We are. We are limited yeah. to the prison of our limited uh, symbolic uh, structures and linguistic codings. You know, our small mouth noises, if you will. Uh, exactly. We are. We are confined to the to to that to those limitations. But you brought up something interesting before that I kind of want to bring back, which was the you know the the brain has it's it's been millions of years that the brain has been uh, you know evolving and the DNA. DMT uh, realm, uh, I think, is is also. I think you mentioned this in the book. Has been sort of like, who knows how long it's been there? Billions of years, yeah. right? Infinite. Yeah. So, it, is there a possibility? Do you think there's a possibility that we can evolve our, you know, brain, our consciousness, our mode of processing and computing and thinking and uh, manifesting complex information? Uh, by expediting the process of humans interacting with the DMT space for prolonged periods of time? Um, so in short, yes. Um, so that's, it's kind of open up that question a little bit. I think, um, first of all, the fact that the, the brain can construct this DMT reality, because that's what it must do. Let's be clear on that. Yeah. If you enter a world, your brain has to, if you to experience a world, your brain has to construct a model of that world, right? Uh, in the same way that it constructs a model of our of our environment normally, right? Um, like if I was to go visit you in Japan right now, I've never been there before. It's totally new and novel to me, and my brain is now processing and reconstructing like a multi massive RPG, you know, role playing game, manifesting this world yes. out in front of me to understand, right? Yes, exactly. But fortunately, if you just come to Japan. Um, it's a three-dimensional world. It's very, very similar. You know, we have trees and we have buildings and it's it, human beings and, yeah. and, and, and that's fine. But what's very difficult to explain is how the brain constructs a higher-dimensional uh, reality, you know, a reality that has no relationship um, right. to this earthly world or even within any world within our um, universe, really. You know, that's, that's extremely difficult to explain. Yeah. Um, so really... How does the brain do it? How does the brain make sense of it and actually form this very, very coherent, cogent, um, crystalline, uh, clear structure, which is experienced as the DMT world? That's very difficult to explain, which might, which has always suggested to me that actually there is this longer, longer standing relationship between DMT and the brain in the sense that we, we have been there in a, in, at some point and the brain mm -hmm. has already learned in some way to construct that that DMT space. Right. There's a precedent. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and you get that feeling, you know, people experience found sense deja vu when they go into DMT. Yes. Like, despite the fact that it's so bizarre, so strange that it somehow seems familiar. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I've suggested there's another, there's a couple of possibilities there. I've suggested in, in an earlier paper a few years ago that perhaps DMT is what I call an ancestral neuromodulator that DMT actually used to be released in very high concentrations in the brain at specific times, such as uh, during the night, for example. So I suggested that perhaps the ancestral form of dreaming was actually a time during the night when DMT would be released. Because serotonin levels actually drop when you go into REM sleep. 
Um, and it, my suggestion was that, that DMT would have been ramped up during those periods and that essentially we would have lived parallel lives as, as early human and that we, during the daytime we would live within the consensus normal waking world and that during the dream state we would enter this alternate reality uh, and that through over long periods of time the brain would essentially have learned to construct a model of that reality. So, mm. so the, the alien world, the empty world is not so much an alien world as a world from which we have become alienated. Mm. Uh, and now yeah. we are beginning to rediscover that world. Right. Uh, an alternative, an alternative is that DMT is released uh, in the, the in the fetus. Uh, so whilst you're still in the womb, and there is there is there is a, there is good evidence now that in other mammals, um, DMT levels actually rem are high in in the womb and actually start to decline a few days after mm -hmm. after birth. Um, and, and that's another possibility that the, the the fetus is experiencing some kind of connection with this DMT space. And and that would also explain the feeling of deja vu. And yeah. it also would explain why the DMT space seems to be kind of effused with this this comic um, childlike ambiance. And there's many things associated with childhood, you know, fairgrounds and clowns and jesters. And yes. Sprite little beings are, are very <laughs> things very much associated with childhood. Yeah. And so there is a sense perhaps that you are going back to an experience that you that was that was overlapping in some way and almost blended with your experiences as a very very young child and things that you've now forgotten but you it was still kind of embedded deeply within your within your kind of unconscious memory system um so that's a possibility um but in terms of looking forward and actually yeah could, could we interact with the mp space more permanently uh, a much more longer term i think yes whenever you Whenever the brain enters the DMT space, it is constructing that reality. It is, is if, if we are correct and that it is accessing an alternate reality, the brain is receiving information from this alternate reality, and that information is li quite literally changing. Excuse me, sneezing here. Mm -hmm. uh, that information is, thank you, uh, is quite literally changing the brain. The brain is constantly changing in response to, uh, it's constantly updating its model of right. reality, receives information, testing that model again information receiving uh, and that involves actual structural changes to the brain you know the connections between brain cells is updated and if you spend enough time in the dmt space that's going to happen as well the brain is actually going to um, start to improve its model of the dmt space and the dmt space should over time if you are able to spend more than just five minutes in the dmt space but actually able to spend hours or even days within the dmt space the brain can actually start to uh, reconfigure itself, that the DMT world should start to stabilize. Um, wow. And, you know, when you first go into the DMT space, it's often quite like a roller coaster, and you're kind of flying through this highly, happily changing, uh, complex procession of, of, of imagery. Uh, and, and, but over time, it does start to stabilize. But normally, by that time, you're kind of dragged back out again as the, as the effects wear off. Right. And so this was... The, the the rationale between between behind uh, my idea, uh, which ultimately resulted in the paper I wrote with Rich Strassman, uh, on actually trying to extend the experience in a very stable, controlled manner, uh, so that you could bring someone into the DMT space and then hold them there for as long as as they wanted, whether it be half an hour or half a day or half a week or you know any time. Yeah, ten years. Yeah. Ten years, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and we could we could actually be 
um, in you know the, the, this lower dimensional space we find ourselves could be one of those experiments that we will we will you know, find ourselves popping it back into this alien laboratory and they will ask us you know what what was it like in that world and we'll say it was weird everyone hated each other and they were fighting all the time so oh, that sounds horrible we won't send you back uh, but you know that could be you know what we're in now and we shouldn't rule that out we should rule out possibility that we are uh, actually part of some kind of um, drug-induced mass hallucination right now and that we will exit that yeah that's another that's different to what i propose in the book but it's also a possibility sure uh, yeah and yeah. and i'm inclined again to believe that because i had an experience like that i had a oh, really yeah i had um it was a it was a psilocybin experience um i had taken uh eight grams of mushrooms uh <laughs> and really? um I was kind of, you know, I was kind of uh, psycho nodding pretty hard and, and investigating, uh, doing my own research uh, according to the McKenna model of five dried grams in silent darkness. And um, I had this experience where I uh, 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 popped through uh, this into this kind of uh, control room uh, place. And to be honest, it, it, it looked exactly like waking up in like, like the, when the, have you ever seen the show Westworld? Um, I, yes, I've seen, well, I've seen like the first season. Yeah. So in the, in the show Westworld, these robots, they're in, you know, they're in the, the theme park, but then there's the control room center, the kind of laboratory where they sometimes take them in and, you know, fix the robots and then send them back out yeah. of the park. And uh, it's a very, it was a very vivid experience. It's uh, really affected me. Um, but, uh, but this was years before the show had come out. But this, this uh, experience, it was very, uh, almost identical to that. And the feeling, the, the visual space was in this kind of waking up in this sort of control room. And there, there was this feeling of like, oh, he, you know, he's, he popped through, he went too far, like, he, send him back, like, he's, he broke the machine. You know, that was the, <laughs> the kind of thing that happened. Wow. Yeah. So I, I, I think, the yeah. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I, I was a friend of mine described also on Magic Mushroom, um, uh, on Five Dry Grams. He, he described being up, being, popping out and being in like a pod, uh, and like a transparent pod and kind of sort of aliens, and lots and hundreds of thousands of pods all around him. He popped out and uh, woke up in this, uh, in this pod, and there were aliens around him, and they were explaining to him they were bringing him back to maintenance. So it's, it's, that's exactly the experience you were basically describing yeah um, yeah uh, in the sense that we are um kind of avatars in a sense um experiencing this world but actually we're fundamentally we're, we're back it's it's kind of matrix it's westworld it's um these are very kind of science fiction ideas but who knows <laughs> that's yeah right that's the thing who knows because we we just don't maybe do, I mean, do you think that we, we can know or that we will know mm. or that it's a, a possibility to know, uh, maybe not That's, now, but in the future? I think one has to go in with that attitude that one right. can know. Otherwise, what's the point, right? I mean, if we, we assume, we just say, okay, there's no way we can possibly know. We just have to cast our entire reality into this <laughs> epistemic black hole and say, it's <laughs> nothing we can drag from it. Right, uh, but right. I, I think we have to go in with the assumption that, yeah, um, if DMT is this tool, is this technology, then it must have a purpose and um, we should try and use that technology as best we can and enter that space with the, with the aim of actually finding out what the 
is going on and uh, with the assumption that it's possible for us to learn. Um, so that's always been the assumption that this is a game, that this is a game that you play and that there is you know, ways of uh, winning the game in a sense or mm-hmm. to progressing to the next level of, of game, whatever that might be. Right. Uh, and, and I think we should do that by taking DMT as a technology and trying to develop it as such. Right, to understand it, study it, yeah, advance and advance in it, yeah. Exactly. Uh, Let's see where. Well, where do I want to go with this? Um, Would you want to kind of get into a little bit about? Actually, you know what? Why don't we do this? What What would you like to talk about? What What would you like to tell people? You know, I have uh, an an like I said, an audience of people, maybe people that are just starting to get into this, um, and just starting to understand it a little bit. That are really kind of curious and interested. Are there any kind of particular things your kind of go tos that you really like to kind of talk about? Maybe that we didn't get to, and and you can kind of share share those things uh, as we kind of head to to wrapping up. Sure. Let me um, so let me think. So the one thing we haven't covered, I guess, that we should talk about in some detail is this um, continuous infusion stuff. Yeah. You know, where we go with DMT. Right. Um, Ex- extended state DMT research. Extended state DMT research. And we can even connect it to this weird, I connect it to um, Alex Jones uh, and what <laughs> he, he spoke about with DMT. That's awesome. Kind of I have that written down right here. Oh, nice. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great. I yeah, like so where that you're going. Would connect directly, actually, to the then to the, the continuous infusion idea. Cool. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, I think pretty much everybody has has, has watched the Joe Rogan interview with uh, with Alex Jones. Um, right. Yeah. He he made. I mean, he was off it. On, you know, off on one on that that show, and and he he made some quite outlandish claims, but. Uh, one of the most striking claims that he made was that the, the CIA or rogue arms of the intelligence agencies um, are using um, <laughs> are using DMT to communicate with aliens. Right. Yeah. Um, they're, and, they're they're taking the DMT <laughs> yeah. and they're they're talking to aliens. They're parasite, <laughs> vampire, oh, child shit. molesters. Yeah. <laughs> All that kind of stuff, which is yeah. great fun to listen to. Very entertaining. Uh, and and you know the, the natural instinctive response. That back. crazy guy what you're talking about yeah um, um but i think it's, it's useful sometimes to step back and say well what's actually going on here is gone for some does he have information perhaps has he somehow with this kind of digging through all of the information over the years I'm sorry andrew uh yeah you just kind of dipped out again nope. Uh, so you're saying that, uh, yeah maybe he's uh with his crazy theories that he thinks that he's stumbled upon something yeah, so maybe he has stumbled in his um, in his years of trawling through um, you know these very very strange kind of subjects and these ideas of hidden hands and, and all that that kind of stuff. Maybe he has stumbled across something interesting there because you know the, 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 we know that the CIA, uh, the intelligence agencies, have been interested in psychedelic drugs um, in the past right. for various reasons. You know, for various kind of nefarious reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would be extremely surprising uh, if they hadn't at least looked at DMT. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and you're and you're referring to like MK Ultra and those sorts of things. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. MK Ultra, exactly. So, um, so whilst it's not published, or you know, in the, a lot of the stuff is now declassified, but um, mm-hmm. the DMT stuff doesn't seem to be. And it, if they had have 
uh, come to DMT and actually explored it, they would have you know realized, like us have, that um, um, that th there's something extremely strange going on there. Yeah, that, and if they if they began to take it seriously and actually start to explore it. It's, it wouldn't be entirely unsurprising, uh, uh, wouldn't be in, totally surprising uh, if they had um, actually developed it in some way as a technology mm -hmm. um, and that they were actually able to enter this space, uh, enter this space um, for much more prolonged periods and actually have established stable communication with mm -hmm. the, the entity. Now, whether it means, you know, making intergalactic uh, deals and that kind of thing, as, as Alex Jones says, I'm not sure. I think that imagination might have gotten away with them a little bit there, mm -hmm. but, but the idea that they are they have established stable communication with these entities is not completely outlandish and it's certainly well for me personally i don't regard it as outlandish because that's something that i i think humans should be aiming towards i think we should be looking towards establishing stable communication with these beings mm -hmm. say so, you know, let's take them seriously let's take them at their word let's assume that they are conscious they're not just figments of our imagination they're right just, you know, uh, hallucinations being scuttling from the unconscious. That's yeah, let's are. let's accept the premise. Yeah. Yes, and then we go. Okay, what can you tell us? What information can you give us? Let's try and establish communication. Uh, and so, if the CIA had done that, then they would be in a, a state by now. You know, this going back from the sixties and seventies, um, they would be in a state now where they would perhaps have got this down very very well, and that we're just beginning now to discover, rediscover the kind of technologies that these CIA would have been using for, for decades. So mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that Alex Jones is correct, that he's right, uh, what he's saying is true at all, but I, I, I'm not so eager to laugh at him and say that he's completely crazy. And I wrote, you know, as soon as that podcast came out, I wrote a long article on my, on my blog at my website, buildingalienworlds.com, mm -hmm. um, where I actually discussed this. Um, and um, so that links in kind of nicely with that with my current one of my current interests which is is is, is in developing dmt as, as this technology mm -hmm. uh, for extended communication or extended journeys within dmt space which i developed with uh, rick strassman of course um, mm -hmm. um with the idea that we can kind of get past this very brief um jolting journey into the DMT space where you kind of burst into their realm, look around wide-eyed for five minutes, then kind of drag back out again. You know, it's it's kind of right. rude. Yeah. For one thing. It's kind of impolite to burst into somebody's reality. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm like, yeah, it's, uh, I'm going to remember that next time. So I am yeah. so sorry. This is very rude of me to just, I, and I left the door open too. My bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is extremely rude. And, and having lived in Japan for, for a number of years now, the idea of bursting into someone's house with your shoes on, all, you know, and uh, it is extremely rude. You know, you should, you should always apologize. Yes. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think we, we should kind of do that in a sense, in a kind of high-dimensional sense. Wow, that um, is such a great way of thinking about it because, yes, why wouldn't you think about it that like, Well, hey, we're going to try and establish communication here. Let's be polite. Let's introduce ourselves. Let's take the time to get to know each other. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Exactly. I think we can bring some of these manners, um, the, some of the better, the better angels of our nature, um, and actually bring those into... Uh, this DMT space, and I think they will serve as well. Mm -hmm. um, 
So, so yeah, so I, I thought, you know, what is, the, what is the way of actually extending the DMT state in a controlled way? So I'm not talking about ayahuasca. Right. You can, uh, you can certainly enter kind of the, the kind of like DMT state uh, for extended period. But ayahuasca is not extended state DMT. Ayahuasca is a, you know, it's, it's a different drug, really. Yeah. that it's a mixture of drugs and it's also fairly uncontrolled in that although you take the mao inhibitor which prolongs the the dmt in the brain it doesn't doesn't provide any kind of control the dmt's level they still rise in the brain and they still start to fall albeit more slowly than they do with smoked or injected dmt mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also the levels of dmt that are reached in the brain that i ask are only about 20 percent, less than 20 percent um, than, than you reach with a, a breakthrough dose of pure DMT, whether you smoke it or, or inject it. Right. Um, so we're talking very different levels here. We're talking different you know, orders of magnitude, an order of magnitude kind of different kind of mm-hmm. experience here. Um, so it occurred to me that these properties we spoke about earlier, these kind of unique pharmacological peculiarities that DMT possesses, very brief action, the fact that it doesn't have subjective tolerance is um, something that Rick Strassman demonstrated in his study in the 90s, that you can inject someone with DMT and then inject them again 30 minutes later, 15 minutes later, or an hour later, they would have the same intensity of experience. Right. Uh, and you can do that several times. So there doesn't seem to be this subjective tolerance, which is quite, again, it's another one of these interesting characteristics of DMT, which make, separates it out from other, with other, other drugs or the psychedelic drugs. Um, and so, you know, it, it just occurred to me that th- these properties made DMT a candidate for uh, what's known as target-controlled intravenous infusion, which is the technology that anesthesiologists use to maintain a stable level of anesthetic drug in the brain during surgery. But the idea that you can keep somebody unconscious um, with these anesthetics, but you can also push them deeper, you can bring them out, and you can bring them out completely quite quickly rapidly um so rather than giving a, a long acting drug you give them a very short acting drug but actually infuse it into their bloodstream using a program infusion device um so that's actually an, and a mathematical model of the way the drug distributes and is metabolized in the body um and actually maintain a stable level of, of the anesthetic mm-hmm. and it was my belief that you, that this could be applied to dmt that you could develop a pharmacokinetic, what's called a pharmacokinetic model, a mathematical model of the way DMT distributes uh, in the body and is metabolized in the body and in the brain, mm-hmm. uh, and actually use that to develop a model that would allow you to program this infusion device that would allow you to bring someone into the DMT space and actually hold, you know, bring them into a breakthrough state and actually hold the levels of DMT in the brain constant so they could remain within that space for um, an, an indefinite period of time. Right. You know, you brought, you brought up, uh, sorry to cut you off. I just wanted to, uh, I had a thought you brought up the matrix before, and this is just reminding me of when Neo first wakes up in the matrix and how, uh, he has to get used to that space. Everything's wobbly kind of throws up yeah. when he, when he goes and he plugs in, he can't jump across the building. It's, he's not really used to it, but then there's a scene where, you know, you kind of go into that montage scene where he plugs in for an extended period of time and really learns, 
you know, I know Kung Fu, right? As he says. So that's kind of the idea here a little bit is to kind of learn more kind of map, you know, this idea of mapping this, the space, uh, that that's really interesting to me too. Is there, is there a kind of topography that you would say that is there some kind of, uh, static constructed world topography that we could map? You think? Well, I mean, I think that's something you would aim towards and you're right in that um, you would hope that over time, over hours or even days, and of course it's difficult to know whether we're plugging ourselves into the matrix or plugging ourselves out of it. That's right. the thing. Right. So I'll yeah. which direction we're going. <laughs> which way are we going? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, the idea would be that over time it would stabilize and that, that your brain would learn to construct a stable model of that world mm. um, um and then yeah you could bring in different people of different disciplines i i, I think it's i don't expect a, a single individual to be able to go into that space and, and do all of the work it's something that would require a team right you would have you know you would have mathematicians that can understand the high dimensionality of space you would have psychologists you have neuroscience you would have cartographers um uh, you would have anthropologists and linguists. Um, you know, you would have all these different types of people that would help you to, you know, to establish communication, um, to orient yourself, um, to to kind of try try to establish where you were within the space. And yeah, I mean, mapping is 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 a, is a strong word, and in, in that's very very far off. Right. Um, but it's not completely the question. Once once you know, it, it's always assumed that the, the way that the DMT space appears within those first five minutes is kind of the way it is. And, and as you point out, you know, in, in the Matrix film, things need time to stabilize. Your brain needs time to stabilize and uh, refine its muscle. Yeah. The idea that, that would happen. Yeah. And, and Andrew, we're, we're talking, uh, uh, you know, space has come up a lot. The space, the space... I'm wondering, I'm thinking now, um, with our sort of exploration into what we call outer space or space, you know, like with mm-hmm. going to the moon and Mars and, you know, all these these kinds of places, um, I'm wondering if, you know, we are seeking animals, we are adventurers and seekers and explorers and expeditioners, are we maybe looking in the wrong place? place is the space with with this technology with this dmt technology maybe we need to be hooking in and going inward and exploring theirs or is it kind of what's your kind of take on 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 that yeah i mean i i think that looking to outer space is a perfectly valid um direction towards which to look but it's very difficult it's 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 certainly the path of most resistance you want Mm -hmm. to find intelligence Right. Uh, it's very difficult to get information to and from uh, different worlds, you know, outside of our solar system. It takes a long time, certainly with our technology. Right. And, um, and we're not there to see it with our eyes for our brain to construct those worlds in front of oh, us either. Yeah, exactly. So, so mm. until we develop the technology, perhaps that these, um, and I'm sure there are alien races outside of our solar system that have the technology to traverse vast um, vast swathes of space over very short periods of time, and mm-hmm. that if, if we survive long enough, we might reach that stage. But I think at, at this stage, we need to kind of 
perhaps put that a little bit on the back burner and realize that actually it's a natural urge, a natural drive, it seems, of humans to want to find other intelligence. We think, we think about the times that we humans spend you know, trying to communicate with dolphins or with, with gorillas or chimpanzees. Right. Trying to you know, understand other, other minds, really. Yes. Uh, other alien minds, in a sense. Yeah, uh, and, trying to and, interface with something foreign and outside of ourselves, yeah. Exactly. And DMT provides a tool, a very, very simple tool, uh, to which basically anybody uh, can access these intelligences without having to travel anywhere. Really right. Just, to, you know, light up, close your eyes and hold tight. And, you know, you can be taken to the place and you'll have access to a myriad uh, of, uh, you know, a panoply of intelligences um, with, with massive potential or communication. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I think, is where we should be focusing our, our attention inwards, the inner space, you know, inner paths to outer space, as Rick Strassman Right, the inner paths to, to outer space, as, as Rick Strassman yeah. says, yeah. And, yeah. you know, I, I can't help but think like, well, yeah, I mean, you know, we keep advancing in these uh, outside material technologies and we're sent, you know, rockets and spaceships going uh, up into space and exploring and looking around. But, uh, you know, the, also the, the world is in crisis. Maybe uh, if, we, if we don't go inward to kind of look at this space and hopefully it, allow it to inform how we construct our reality and build worlds, we might not have a world anymore. Uh, you know, yeah. we might blow ourselves up or something. So, Yeah, I mean, this is, this is a, I mean, I was speaking with James Gesso and um, he expressed on his podcast, Adventures Through the Mind, um, and he was he expressed some kind of ecological concern that shouldn't we be directing our attention to the natural world um, rather than directing our attention to trying to escape the world in a sense. Mm. And 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 that's kind of a valid, interesting point. But I, first of all, I don't think that these are mutually exclusive. I don't think that focusing our attention inwards to the DMT space somehow means we have to neglect our natural world. It right. Might yeah. Lead greater appreciation of it yes exactly uh, but there is i mean if you take my idea seriously i mean parents began used to say the earth is the cradle of mankind but one mm. doesn't remain in the cradle forever uh, mm. and 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 other people have said that if if all the humans died out that the earth would flourish and so well one can i mean we wouldn't be here that 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 would suck <laughs> that would suck but the point <laughs> is mike is that we would indeed have left the cradle uh and that actually it if we take this idea seriously that, that, that the earth really is just the cradle of mankind, that we're not meant to be here forever and that we are meant to cast off our uh, kind of material body, enter into this alternate phase, that perhaps DMT is, is the secret to that. Ah, yes. The secret. Aha, yes. Yeah. I, I didn't know really, if you wanted to, to get into that because I was, I was thinking maybe, you know, because you were talking about um, – you know, like this, this coded reality, this, this, this coded existence in which we're in, right? This, this game and it's a code yeah. and we're, we're plugging in and we're playing and we're moving things around and it's like, where are we going and what are we doing? Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah, that's, that's the, the secret to uh, existing in our universe uh, to, com- to complete exactly. the cosmic game, right? And, 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 and as you say, to become interdimensional citizens of hyperspace, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. So it's perhaps possible that there does come a point when an intelligence uh, that emerges in a, in a, on a planet or in a world kind of become, loses its compatibility with that world mm. that we should actually realize perhaps yeah 
that our buildings that we construct, these kind of metallic glistening structures that, um, uh, that, that we seem to secrete almost, that seem totally destroyed, <laughs> totally alien. We secrete know? them, yeah. <laughs> we, we, well, we kind of do, right? Yeah. In the same way that, that, that bees secrete, in a sense, they can secrete their honeycomb, you know, right. their, their honey. Yes, you know? yes, great. Uh, we kind of secrete these crystalline geometric shimmering structures <laughs> that grow outwards um and that we yeah perhaps we should realize that there comes a point when we are we, we need to leave this place behind because we're no longer suited we've outgrown it and that we're only gonna um trash the place you know imagine trying to keep a, a baby in a cradle for, for too long eventually it's gonna smash the thing to pieces and destroy it and and in a sense that's perhaps what's happening it's a slightly in a sense it feels slightly darker uh, you know, some people are talking about getting back to nature and getting back to a kind of basic kind of more, uh, you know, uh, coexisting with the natural world. Whereas perhaps I'm describing something very, very different here is actually that we, we accept that we've become, we've outgrown this world and that we actually need to leave it behind and leave the world then to flourish. And then perhaps another species to reach that kind of level of intelligence mm. in our absence. Because we, we, we certainly, we dominate this world and there's, the idea that any other creature could emerge and and and, and develop this technology, I think, would be uh, extremely unlikely. Um, mm. So perhaps, yeah, we need to make space, and that DMT is perhaps that tool for us to permanently escape um, this reality uh, and 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 enter, as as you say, you know, permanent citizens of hyperspace. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I, I just have so much, my neurons are just like wanting to jump out of my ears. Um, <laughs> cause I have so much to say, but I want to be conscious of your time. Uh, how much uh, time do you have left? Do you have another, maybe like 10 minutes or so? No problem. No problem at all. Awesome. Yeah. So this is a fantastic idea and I like it. I do. I like it a lot because if you think, and you mentioned Alan Watts before, I'm a huge fan of Alan Watts and you know, he says that, uh, look, uh, the, the, a tree apple, and an earth peoples, right? And it's like exactly. this kind of infinite creation, this infinite creation and emergence of conscious life that forms in random ways all over in infinite space and time all yeah. everywhere. So why wouldn't we be in some kind of larva stage, in some kind of cocoon stage where we're emerging and becoming something else? That's really interesting, and I like that idea. However, it also kind of frightens people a little bit. I hear a lot of people uh, you know, talking about, well, like, I don't want to be some kind of cyborg, or I don't want to be some kind of machine, but I don't necessarily think that's where you're going, is it? No, not at all. I mean, but what I think the, the, the criticism that I've got is that the idea of leaving the body behind is frightening for people because it, it resembles the kind of the Christian uh, idea or the, or the religious idea generally of the soul leaving the body, which of course is associated with death. Yeah. Um, and even though, you know, Christians espouse the idea that we go on to, you know, an, another world, a better place, um, it's still within our, uh, deeply embedded in our consciousness, the idea that death is something horrible. And then the idea of suicide, the idea that you would deliberately leave the body permanently and enter you know, because that's really what we're talking about here. You know, this is not, um, it's a game, but it, it feels like something much, much, much more serious here. Yeah. That you're actually leaving your body behind. And that's what people have been, you know, I've got some quite uh, ferocious criticism is that, you know, am I, pr am I promoting suicide? Am I suggesting that 
people that the, 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 the whole purpose of their life is to commit suicide using DMT. And no, I'm not uh, yeah. suggesting that. What I'm suggesting is that in the future, that humans should be, as, as, a, as a generally humans, not individuals. I'm not suggesting that an individual here should himself up to DMT uh, until, until he dies with, the, with the, the hope that he's going to be transferred into the DMT space. No. What I'm suggesting is that in the future, um, as many other people have suggested, humans will leave our earthly body behind um, and that the DMT might be the secret, might be the technology that will facilitate that transition. But this is something that's going to happen um, in the future and uh, as a, uh, a project with, um, you know, as the global community in a sense, in that the humans more generally would, would achieve. It's not something that we... That, that individuals should do or, or, or right. see themselves as being that's the purpose in life is to you know commit suicide with dmt this is not yeah so you're all. you're not starting a dmt suicide cult got it noted no. on the record <laughs> not happening um <laughs> clear the air of that so yeah. uh, have you seen the movie contact with jodie foster oh yeah yeah years ago yeah so i'm th- I, i'm thinking of that now and because she's you know she's getting these kind of these plans from this other space to build this machine they're they're getting these like signals from the far reaches of outer space or multi-dimensional space wherever it's coming from build this machine build this machine and so they build this machine and she hooks in and she goes there and she's in this kind of otherworldly place. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Like we're, we're in the future, uh, the more that we can learn from this space, the more that we can investigate and research and, and think critically and openly about it, that the more that we can kind of maybe develop the plans for body exit? Yeah, exactly. And I think that, that this, this continuous infusion and establishing communication with these intelligence is the first stage. Right. Um, you know, I don't think it's going to be as simple as, you know, you hook someone up to a, an infusion machine and then uh, then keep them there for as long as possible. I think there's, there's going to be it's going to be more complex than that. This is the first stage is to establish communication and actually access their world for extended periods of time. Um, and then, you know, then that the instructions will come, so to speak. You know, you, that's how that's how the game is played. You know, right. you have to have someone on the other side that is actually explaining, you know, how do you actually to build that machine, whatever form that might take. Right, um, I'm right. not suggesting that the machine that I'm that, that that we could build right now, this infusion machine, is is be all and end all at all. I think that that it's it's going to be a process of learning and developing the technology. But eventually, yeah, you know, that's where we would be. Is we would have this machine, this this technology that would allow humans to essentially uh, upload, transfer. I call this process transcription. The mm. transcription of one's uh, the information complex we call our brain and consciousness into this higher dimension space. We would essentially become, uh, you know, citizens of this of, of the DMT space. So fascinating. Oh, man. I, I, I want to talk to you for seven more hours. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, it's this is just really, really fascinating. So thank you so much. Um, it, it's it's really been a been a pleasure. And um yeah, uh, t- I guess t- tell people where they can uh, where they sh- where they should go. Uh, I know you have a website and the books available out on v- on various places. Where where would you like people to go to find out more about the about this? Yeah, so if, if people are interested in my my work and my ideas, then they can go to my website buildingalienworld.com. Um, 
where you will find links to all of my my lectures, vast majority of the podcast interviews I've done, uh, all of my writings, uh, and also there's a link to the book. And you, Alien Information Theory, you can look at some pages of the book. Mm -hmm. There's a me reading the first chapter, uh, which you can also listen to to get an idea uh, of the content, uh, and you can also order the book directly from there. Um, um, alternatively, you can just go to Amazon um, and just search for Alien Information Theory, and you'll find it there. So in Amazon.com or .co.uk or wherever you are on the world, you should be able to uh, get hold of it. And if you struggle, then there's a contact uh, button on my website where you can contact me, you can ask me any questions. Uh, as long as you don't leave, you know, six paragraphs of rambling, then I will respond. <laughs> that happens sometimes. I know, uh, I know, yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry, I'm sorry. I can't respond if you just leave a huge message or ask 20 questions. So do Keep it it's it's too it's complex. Like, it's it the information's too complex. We can't encode it. It's got to be yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, please be be nice uh, and um, but yeah, please do get in contact with comments or ideas or suggestions. Don't don't get don't get in contact asking to be a, a subject in the confusion studies. I'm not recruiting. Uh, I should. That's eighty percent of the messages are people asking. You know, how can I volunteer to be part of your study? You can't. I'm afraid at the moment. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's it. Well, yeah, I mean, and you, and yeah, you're such a, a pleasure to speak with, and and you explain these things in, in such a, a clear uh, way and an easy way to understand, and um, drawing upon like all of your your background and and putting it into this work gives you a very unique perspective with a very stimulating and and, and pleasant aesthetic feel as well, which I, I, I value. So excellent work, a tremendous book, and and thank you again for being on the show and. Uh, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Peace. All right. Hey, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Hope you guys like these podcasts and enjoy them. And if you do, please spread the podcast, share it, tell a neighbor, tell a coworker, tell a friend, tell a cat, tell a mouse, tell a dog, tell an ant, tell a firefly, tell whoever you tell, share it, spread it, like it all that good stuff. If you, if you really love the show, you want to go a step further, you really want to help us out, leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts um, and go to patreon.com, patreon slash Mike Brank and um, patreon.com slash Mike Brank. And you can donate as little as a dollar a month, $2 a month, whatever you want. Help support the show that way as well. But remember, I love you guys no matter what you do. I just love that you tune in and you enjoy these podcasts. Message me. I like hearing feedback. Get in touch with me on Instagram, Mike Adelic Podcast, Mike Brank on Facebook as well. And um, thanks to our sponsors, Synchro and Hemp Bombs. If you want a discount on keto, genic, and plant-based nutrition products, go to Synchro and type in the code uh, Mike Adelic at checkout to get 20% off. And they have amazing ketogenic chocolate fudge called Keto Mana that I have all the time because it's 
has like no sugar and carbs in it. So it's great. And, um, and it's delicious. And if you want CBD, uh, go to hempbombs.com and get 15% off all your CBD needs, I guess. And, uh, just enter the code Mike15 at checkout. But thank you once again to everybody. Thanks to Danny Barnett and Galaxia for the music, the intro and the outro. I love you all. Peace.